Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Great Luther hymn, great Reformation hymn, a great hymn to remind us of the importance of God's word. Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. It is great to have you back each time we gather together for At Home in Your Hymnal. We do our best to get us a little bit more familiar with the contents of our hymnal so that we're at home, whether in the corporate worship service, in personal or family devotions, at home in our hymnal, at home in God's Word, comforted by that Word of law and gospel for us. Recently, we've been working our way through Divine Service Setting One, the Divine Liturgy, the give and take, the rhythm and flow of the liturgy. Last time we gathered, we talked about the readings and the importance of the readings, the structure of the readings, the Word of God, and the primacy of the Word of God in a Lutheran worship service. And today we want to expand that just a little bit. We want to talk about the sermon, the proclamation of God's Word. When you get to page 158 in Lutheran Service Book, and again, there's an option. You can do the creed before the sermon or after the sermon. The hymn of the day, our most recent episode with uh, regard to At Home in Your Hymnal, sets the stage, is a sung sermon, if you want to think of it that way. But when we're talking about the sermon, it just says sermon. There is no biblical reference for that. It is just a given that when you go to church, you're going to hear a sermon. So, Pastor, I want to talk uh, today, and I want to spend this entire episode talking about the why of a sermon and some distinctives in Lutheran preaching, things that people should be listening for that they may not even be aware of. But before we do that... The fact that it is just a given that when you go to church, you're going to hear a sermon. Thoughts on that? Well, it is. um, You you made the comment that in the hymnal there's no place where it says a scripture reading or whatever to point you to. And perhaps the reason for that is because there are so many of those references in scripture that it would probably take 10 pages of your hymnal just to have all the references for where sermons are. And so the reason that we have sermons is because they have that great tradition and because God also promises, uh, both through the words of Jesus and then also recorded perhaps most clearly for us uh, by St. Paul in the book of Romans, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the whole point of the sermon is to bring God's word to your ears. Um, We have Uh, My favorite book to go through and look at it is the book of Acts, where sermon after sermon after sermon is preached and even recorded for us, and it kind of teaches us what a sermon should look like. Uh, It teaches us what we should listen for and what the contents of that should be. Pastors would do well to study all the sermons uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, We have uh, uh, in the Gospels, for example, John the Baptist was preaching and teaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then he baptizes Jesus. And what's the first thing Jesus does after the temptation in the wilderness? It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And right there, that's the shortest sermon that you can actually have. It has all the things you need to have in it. Uh, And uh, it sets the stage then for all the sermons that come after it in the Gospels, like the Sermon on the Mount, the Book of Acts, uh, and then also for the history of the entire Christian church. So is uh, preaching a New Testament thing, or was there preaching in the Old Testament as well? 
No, there were preachers in the Old Testament as well, uh, and that's where the format really gets uh, created and began. Uh, and it's the the format that Jesus really steps into. God uh, working in the Old Testament set up uh, that his word would be important in the Old Testament. And uh, Jesus takes that same idea. It's almost like there was one God working behind all this uh, to get everything the way it needed to be to create and sustain faith through the preaching and teaching of God's word. And so much of what we have in Scripture, whether it be the prophetic or the prophet books in the Old Testament, the Acts of the Apostles, the, uh, the letters, the discourses of Jesus, many of these things are directly sermons that were preached by prophets, evangelists, apostles, uh, men appointed by God, and these sermons have been recorded for us. So, so the fact that there is preaching in the church should not surprise us. Uh, it is taught to us in Scripture. We have many, many commands in Scripture. You pointed us to a couple of um, passages. We were, we were before they started this program. We were looking for the hymn for our bumper music today. Uh, great hymn that's in our hymnal, but apparently it's not on YouTube or. Uh, in the public domain in any way, shape, or form, preach ye the word and plant it home. We hear that word, that song sung many times at ordinations, uh, installations of pastors, because pastors are the one who have been given the task to preach. Now, before we keep moving forward here, I want to talk uh, a little bit about that. The Lutheran Confessions especially Augsburg Confession, Article 14, says no one should preach or administer the sacraments unless he be rightly called. When you come to church, it is not a free-for-all, although there are some denominations where you have many, many people speaking at the same time and it is more chaos or cacophony than harmony. Lutheran Christians believe, teach, and confess that the office of the holy ministry is God's institution for the delivery of the means of grace, word and sacrament. So when you come into a Lutheran church, you have a pastor. Hopefully the pastor is dressed in a way that you can actually tell that he is a pastor. But you have a pastor who has been charged by God, called by the congregation to publicly administer the means of grace. And in that public administration of the means of grace is preaching. Why is that important for, I mean, not only for our hearers to know that not every church body does it this way, but why is it important for both the preacher and the hearer to know that God has set apart this preacher for this congregation, and we are acting under the command and promise of God. Well, it's important because it eliminates doubts and questions that could arise. Uh, you know, so if everybody's preaching and teaching and you have two different people that say two different things, two different doctrines, two different teachings, which one's right? If both claim to be preaching uh, from the Word of God and in the authority of God and they say different things, 
than what's really true about God's authority. It raises questions if anyone can preach. And for the sake of the listeners and the hearers sitting in the pew, then God has established the office of the Holy Ministry so that there might not be doubts. And the way that you know if you're in the office of the Holy Ministry is if you have a rightly ordered call, the way the confessions say it. In other words, uh, have you presented yourself to the church and say, I have met all the requirements for being a pastor, I've had the training to be a pastor, I've been approved by the faculty of the seminary, and having presented yourself to the church, have you received a call to serve in a particular congregation? If you have, God has worked through that process to put you in the office to proclaim the word, and you should be able to tell that when that person's preaching, they're preaching and teaching the truth of the word of the God. Now, the sad thing is, because there's still sin in the world, sometimes pastors fall short, and the hearers need to know God's word well enough to speak the truth to the pastor and talk to them about it so that it can be corrected. Um, but that's that's the way that grants us certainty, is if a man is placed into the office by the church to preach and teach in a particular place. That's that's really an important thing. In uh, Timothy, I think it's, is it First Timothy 4 or Second Timothy 4, where... Uh, the Apostle Paul, writing to young Pastor Timothy, says, preach the word in season and out of season. Um, a distinctive feature of the office of the holy ministry is this command, responsibility, duty to preach. It, Second Timothy. Second Timothy 4, 1 to 5. That's what I was thinking. And... Um, Here we have God's clear word that this is not the call, the duty, or the responsibility of every Christian to publicly preach. We're not talking about teaching in the home or reading the Bible yourself personally or anything like that, but to publicly preach. Uh, there, There is an order to this. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says that everything should be done decently and in order in the church, and that is a specific reference to the worship service. Faith comes by hearing. Uh, how can they have? How can they hear the word of God unless somebody preaches to them? Romans 10, how can they preach unless they have been sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news? Quoting from the book of Isaiah. When a pastor preaches... Pastor Moline, who is actually preaching? Is it God who is preaching? Is it the person who is preaching? Uh, Help me sort that out and help our hearers understand what's actually happening when the pastor ascends the pulpit and preaches. To to have this discussion, let's just make an assumption to start for the, uh, the sake of the conversation here, and let's assume that the pastor is preaching and teaching the true word of God uh, in all faithfulness and that what he says matches up with what scripture says. In that case, the pastor himself is preaching a word uh, and he's the one that's that's, uh, preaching that word and yet God is working instrumentally through that word to create and sustain faith within the hearers. And uh, so maybe the way to think about it is a trumpet. If I just have a trumpet and it's sitting uh, on the the counter or on the table, uh, what kind of music is it making? None. None. But if I pick up the instrument and, uh, you know, purse my lips and blow through it, what kind of music is it making then? Uh, I have Probably. never heard you play the trumpet, <laughs> so I'm going to guess bad music. <laughs> That's true, but at least then it's making 
sound, right? Correct. The same thing is true then with the office of the holy ministry. Uh, the the pastor is that instrument through which God works uh, to create and sustain faith by the Holy Spirit. And where words God, where God's word is preached and taught in its truth and purity, and two or more are gathered in Christ's name, there God promises to be among them, creating and sustaining faith. And so that's exactly what's happening. Now, in that way, it is dependent on the content of the pastor being according to God's word. I can't go up and make up my own thing. I can't. Uh, I can't get up and do. Uh, where's Waldo in the pulpit? I can't. Uh, you know, play movie clips. Uh, I, I saw a church recently that was uh, playing legally blonde during a sermon, and it, it's just. It's kind of ridiculous because that's not God's word, and when it's not God's word, the Holy Spirit's not attached to it, creating and sustaining faith. And so you might, it might be cute to do those things for a large portion of your sermon, but then you're also shortening the amount of time that the Holy Spirit's working because it's not God's word that's the content. And so that's the the key importance. God is working when his word is preached and taught. Cute and clever may or may not equate with faithful. And what we want to uh, what we want to talk about is faithful preaching, a faithful Lutheran sermon, what it is, what it looks like, what it sounds like. And so uh, hopefully you get a flavor of where we're going with the rest of our program. Uh, this is at home in your hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Proclaiming the One, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We're privileged to serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. As we work our way through the divine service, the rhythm and flow that is present there. In uh, this episode, episode 23, we are devoting our time to the sermon. Episode 22 was the hymn of the day. Episode 21 was the readings. You can uh, check out our episodes on uh, the archives, www.thecross957.org. Also, I know Pastor Moline has been working to get the uh, At Home in Your Hymnal uh, episodes up on uh, podcast versions. I know a lot of people like to download podcasts and listen to them while they work or while they travel. Uh, I'm a a little bit of a dinosaur when it comes to this newer technology, but if someone was searching for theological programming from KNNA, Pastor, how would they search? What would they type in? Your question is great because they could go to Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or a number of other podcast uh, supporting companies, and they could look up KNNA Theological Programming. KNNA, Theological Programming, and uh, I want to thank Pastor Moline for getting us into the 21st century uh, with the whole podcasting movement, and it's just a, a great blessing to have that connected to and in addition to the archives that we have here at uh, KNNA. 
Uh, and also, you can uh, listen on a regular basis to uh, at home in your hymnal. We play several times throughout the week. I don't know those times off the top of my head, but you can check out our website and the programming guide there. We're talking about the sermon. And in our first part of episode 23, we talked about the biblical mandate of preaching. We talked about uh, the examples and precedents throughout all of Scripture with regard to hearing a sermon when you come into God's house. Uh, I don't know the quote source off the top of my head, but I know that Luther has a famous quote that says, unless the Scriptures are read and expounded, it is foolish for the people of God to even gather. And I think he was basing that comment off of some of the things that he was prescribed or forced to do during his life in the monastery, things that had the appearance of worship or a good work, but were devoid of God's word and preaching. And I think, too, it's important to say there's a particular reason for the order of things and the way that they happen as well. Uh, the sermon takes place. We've talked about the different parts of the service. We have the uh, preparatory rite with confession absolution, reminding us of our baptisms. Uh, and then we have the service of the word, the highlight and the culmination of which is the preaching of the sermon. And all that also then prepares us on our hearts uh, so we can examine ourselves rightly to receive the sacrament of the altar at the uh, service of the sacrament, which comes right after that. I know that today there are churches that do that the other way around. Uh, I know of uh, churches even here in town where they have communion uh they you know they have a few songs and they have communion they have a few more songs and then after that they do uh the scripture reading and the word and that's kind of putting the cart before the horse uh being in god's word to prepare our hearts is an important part of the lord's supper yeah that was a that was a big push um historically back in the 80s and 90s and uh, you may not be aware of uh, some uh, some of that uh, it was it was brought about with uh, understandings from some of the contemporary worship movement things that were being taught at the fuller theological seminary with regard to worship and the structure of the worship service and the idea was that the sermon is the most important part of the worship service and so the last thing people should do is hear the sermon before they go out into the world. Now, for a non-sacramental church like Fuller Theological Seminary uh, and with a, a lack of understanding of what the Lord's Supper is, um, we could say the exact same thing about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, which gives us forgiveness, life, and salvation, fills us with Christ's body and blood, and then sends us out into our vocation. So if you, have a dev- if you have a worship service that does not have the Lord's Supper, of course, the Word of God is the pinnacle, the primary thing. You go out, but that is not a true divine service. And we talked about that earlier. That may have been even before you got here, uh, Pastor Moline. But uh, to be a divine service properly understood, the Lord's Supper is celebrated, uh, a Divine service choke, quote, without the Lord's Supper is sometimes referred to as a dry mass or a half mass, and uh, it is not a divine service. Uh, It can be a prayer service or a praise service or whatever you want to call it, but it's not a divine service. Divine service has both pinnacles, the word preached, the sacrament 
distributed. And uh, I don't want to get us bogged down on that point. We'll have more time to talk about that when we get into the communion liturgy. I want to share these words from Luke 24. And when I think about Lutheran preaching and what Lutheran preaching is, the content of Lutheran preaching, the directive from Christ for Lutheran preaching, I think of these words from Luke, sometimes referred to as the Great Commission from Luke, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, starting at verse 44, then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Pastor, thoughts on these words of Jesus from the end of the Gospel of Luke, Luke 24, 44 to 49, with regard to preaching in general and Lutheran preaching specifically. Well, those words reflect the words we've already heard from uh, Matthew chapter 4, or uh, yeah, uh, where Jesus began to preach and teach, and he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. These words reflect uh, also then the words of St. John the Baptist, and then also all the preaching of the New Testament people uh, uh, as the church grows. And we see then there kind of uh, what a sermon should be made up of. Uh, first off, we're supposed to talk about all the things written about Jesus in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the psalm, and how they're fulfilled. And so what do we have uh, before we have a sermon? We have an Old Testament lesson, we have an epistle lesson, we have a gospel lesson, so we can see what God's Word uh, says about Jesus. And then uh, that Christ should suffer on the third day rise from the dead. That's the content of the Gospels. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed uh, to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. What's the content of a sermon? It ought to be repentance, which means what does God's law say to me, uh, a sinner, and how does that condemn me? Where do I need uh, Christ then to fill in the gap, if you will, uh, between what God requires and what I've pitifully tried to do to accomplish that? Um, And that's that's the work of Jesus then, which is the gospel. Uh, and so we need to have law, we need to have gospel, and it needs to be based on God's word. That's what uh, a sermon ought to be. In uh, Luke 24, we have this directive, as you've pointed out, and it's not only here, Jesus does it, but it says repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to everyone. Can I think of that with my Lutheran ears, can I think of that as simply law and gospel? Well, um, simply, you you can think of that. Um, 
the the difficulty is we have to understand what repentance means, uh, and I think lots of people don't really understand what that means today. Uh, repentance means to realize your own sin um, and uh, how bad it is and what the consequences for that sin are, and then to uh, be turned from that sin uh, and to believe the gospel that Jesus has forgiven all that sin. And so even that word repentance, it, it has two sides of the same coin, uh, knowledge of sin and turning from it, and then also believing what God has done. And so repent and believe the gospel, law and gospel, that's the main content of sermons, so long as we're using law and gospel according to what the specific word of God that week in the church year is proclaiming. Uh, And so these things all have to be woven together very carefully by the preacher uh, to preach a faithful sermon. You uh, you mentioned that it would be to our benefit to look at some of the scripture sermons that are recorded for us, and I and I want you to uh, when we come back from our break, when we go into our next segment, I want I want to uh, spend some time looking at one or more of the sermons uh, from scripture. I know some of your favorites are from the Acts of the Apostles. There is a, a seminar coming up. Um, a little bit, uh, a little bit later. I think it's uh, sometime in August at uh, Ch- Camp Trinity down in New Haven, Missouri, and uh, it kind of caught my eye as I was heading into this program. And it was uh, LCMS and Wells Clergy to define Lutheran preaching at Camp Trinity, Trinity Seminar on the Bible and Creation. And it says, in view of the numerous contemporary approaches to preaching which is the center of worship of the worship service lay people have more difficulty knowing when they have heard a lutheran sermon how do churchgoers know if they actually heard a lutheran sermon and so they pose four questions that they're going to be addressing at this upcoming seminar and i thought since we're talking about preaching in the context of the worship service here it might be interesting for us to look at one or more of these questions so i want to share these questions with you and if you have some initial comments great otherwise we'll just let people cook with these as we head into our next break and we'll see where we go when we come back the goal is to give lay people a basis on which to determine if they heard a lutheran sermon Question one, what is the standard for Lutheran preaching? Question two, what is unique about Lutheran preaching? Three, what is the value of Lutheran preaching? And four, what is the goal of Lutheran preaching? So I suppose you could sum that up in four points, standard, unique, value, and goal. With regard to preaching, um, we got about 30 seconds or so before the break. Uh, do you like the questions? I would have ans- asked the questions differently, but what's your gut? I, I think I would have asked them a little differently as well. I understand what they're going to, um, but what is the standard of, of preaching? And that's an important question. Uh, uniqueness, uh, I think there is a unique thing about Lutheran preaching, but that's only because we really try to preach the same way that uh, Christianity is always preached and taught throughout all the ages uh, up until here. I know there's always groups splintering off and doing crazy things, and that's what we have going on a lot now. Uh, and so to say we're unique, 
we're we're unique in that we try to do what the church has always done. That's why we call ourselves the Catholic Church, the Universal Church, and claim that we're the real Catholic Church. Uh, value of Lutheran preaching, you know, I have to think about that one a little bit. Uh, the goal, of course, um, that's the same goal that is in the all the preaching that's uh, ever been in the church and even recorded for us in the scriptures, and that's uh, that the Holy Spirit might work through that word to create and sustain faith. And so, I don't know, I have to think about these questions a little more. Okay, yeah, and uh, they, they jumped off the page at me. I thought this was a great time to address it. When we come back, we're going to talk about those questions, and we're going to dig into God's word and hear and examine some preaching from Holy Scripture. Don't change that dial. At home in your hymnal, we'll be right back. KNNA. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We are privileged to serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln. Come join us for worship, and uh, we pray that you will hear distinctively Lutheran preaching in the context of a distinctively Lutheran worship service. Uh, I have to I have to admit, I'm a little shaken up right now. During the break, um, Pastor Moline... Um, took the scales off my eyes. He enlightened me and showed me on uh, the computer. I think most of it was on YouTube, but uh, he showed me some examples of some of the things that are being passed off and promoted as worship, as preaching in churches also that bear the name Lutheran. Uh, We saw a cat in the hat church. We saw a, um, uh, a church that was uh, it was rank paganism, but was basically changing the words of the Our Father into Our Mother, and we saw a Beatles Mass where uh, the worship service and the readings, the preaching, the teaching, and even the words of institution were all set to popular Beatles songs. Uh, holy Hootman! Um, this and, and is the, the reason that I showed them. I mean, just to is to say we can't just say uh, uniquely Lutheran. We have to build upon 
what both the scriptures say and then also what the church at all times and all places has said and done. And that's that's where I would go to find what the definition of a Christian sermon is. What do scriptures teach? What has the church traditionally always done in all times and all places? And that's where we have to go, not just even into a title that is um, as modern as 500 years. We have to go all the way back to the very beginning to find out what Christian preaching is. And uh, your point is well taken. Just because someone bears the name Lutheran does not mean they are a Lutheran. Does, uh, just because someone bears the name Christian, they are not uh, necessarily a Christian. It is what God's Word uh, teaches and defines those things to be. And with regard to a Lutheran, uh, we would say it's what the Lutheran Confessions define a Lutheran Christian to be. Let's take a look at some of those uh, questions, and I know some of them you liked and some of them you didn't. Um, take your take your pick, Pastor, uh, with regard to Lutheran preaching. Well, maybe the one to start with, and here's where maybe we can find some common ground here, is what is the standard of uh, Lutheran preaching, or that first question. And, and that goes back to what I was just talking about. Where do we actually go to find out what Scripture and... Uh, or not scripture, what Lutheran preaching ought to be, and that is to go back to the scriptures, and that's uh, to find in the scriptures examples of preaching, to find out what they're doing and what that can tell us about how we ought to also uh, do the task of preaching today. And so the standard then that we go back to is what does the Bible say? And the Bible gives us examples of preaching on what God's Word has said in the past. When the uh, 12 apostles go out to create the church, if you will, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, they preach on God's Word, meaning they look and see what the Old Testament says and how does that apply to us today through the person and work of Jesus. And that's the same thing then that we ought to do. We ought to go to God's Word, find out what it says about us here today in the person and work of Jesus. And that should be the foundation then for all preaching. And so preaching can't be what I want to talk about. Preaching can't be about what I think will entertain you. Preaching can't be a string of jokes. You can hear some of those on the radio stations uh, around town as well. I've heard them uh, both on the way to church and on the way home from church on Sundays. Um, it can't be just a string of jokes. It has to be, what's God say to us in his word? Question number one. That's the standard uh, for Lutheran preaching. Okay, now where, where you know, we had, you know, standard, unique, you know, all these kind of uh questions that were there where would the topic of uh an exegetical sermon which to me makes lutheran preaching or truly lutheran preaching stand out an exegetical means to find out what scripture says and to take it out of the scripture and apply it to us right so you take a particular part of the bible god's right. word and then you study that part of God's Word, and then you preach from that particular part of God's Word, rather than the other or the backwards uh, approach, the opposite approach, I guess that's the way that I should say it, is you take an idea, something that you want to say, and then you search the Scriptures and you find a Bible passage that kind of backs you up in what you wanted to say to begin with. Um, I don't know if this is what, the standard is or uniqueness or I don't know how it fits into those uh, four arbitrary questions there but to me 
When I think of a Lutheran sermon, I think of an exegetical sermon, a sermon that flows from and is derived from the Bible, not the other way around. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's exactly what the the preacher's goal ought to be, is to take whatever the Word says in a particular instance and apply it. And so, um, you know, we're... We've just had or about to have the uh, uh, scripture reading where Jesus calls the first disciples after preaching a sermon uh, from, uh, from a boat. Uh, and, and this is uh, where I'm working on a sermon right now for this. And uh, so what do we learn from that? Well, Jesus preached thing number one. And the preaching itself brought large crowds of people to hear. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, creating faith through the preaching and teaching of Jesus. And then what's he do? He, he gets the disciples in a boat and he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And how are, how are they going to bring people into the church through fishing for men? They're going to do that through the preaching of the word. So we know that's what's going on in this Bible passage. How do we take that then and apply it to us here today? And that's really that the preacher's goal ought to be, and that's just one example of a particular place, where how do we take this Bible passage and apply it? Okay, now, Pastor, sometimes we will hear um, pastors or members of the church, or you can even see books in the library, devoted to and dedicated to expository preaching. What is expository preaching? And how is expository preaching similar to exegetical preaching, but distinct or different from exegetical preaching? Well, yeah, the difference would be in the words for you. And what I mean is, how does this text actually apply for you? There's lots of very good biblical preachers out there who can tell you the details of what's going on. Maybe they even say, you know, this is the way that ancient people caught fish. You know, their nets, uh, they used gill nets because they could only eat fish that had scales, and the fish that didn't have scales in the Sea of Galilee were able to pass through the gill nets just fine, but the ones who had scales, they got caught, and therefore that's how the fishermen caught there. And you can apply these same principles in your fishing, uh, in your life, etc., etc., but that doesn't actually tell you about the forgiveness of sins. It doesn't tell you about your sin. And it doesn't tell you about why Jesus has come for you. And so just going through the details, uh, that's more of a Bible study sort of activity where preaching actually does something to you. It, it gives the Holy Spirit who creates faith uh, by you hearing about your sin and the forgiveness that Christ won for you. You know, sometimes you'll have... Uh Lutherans that will visit a uh, uh, a big box church, a Bible church, uh, uh, a non denominational church, and they'll come back and say, "Oh, it was so different. It was so refreshing. Uh, everybody just got out their Bible, and uh, the pastor just preached right out of the Bible." And uh, that is always that has always struck me as such an odd way to describe things. Now, granted the pastor probably had his Bible open, and many of the people had their Bible open. But distinctive Lutheran preaching is preaching right out of the Bible as well. And rather than a an expository, verse-by-verse, Bible study kind of uh, talk that may or may not 
put Jesus up on the cross that may or may not get Jesus out of the gra- out of the tomb and almost never proclaims forgiveness life and salvation for you that is a completely different animal and i would su- i would submit to you that when lutherans are teaching bible study if they don't have a bible study where Jesus is for you, Jesus on the cross, Jesus out of the tomb, Jesus forgiveness, life, and salvation for you. That's not truly a Lutheran Bible study either. And so this is, to me, one of the unique things, one of the distinctive things, one of the goals, one of the standards, however you want to put it into those question categories, of what makes Lutheran preaching, teaching, worship, separate and distinct the forgiveness of sins for you earned by the bloody death and glorious resurrection of jesus yeah and uh, that's why then in the scriptures the word that i mean to, to bring it back that's where it needs to be founded upon is what the scriptures say in the scriptures there's different words for speaking uh you have laleo you have lego you have uh, also then this word that describes the preaching work and that's keruso. Uh, it's where we get our word charismatic uh, uh, in, that's used sometimes in different ways. And that word keruso means specifically to preach or proclaim. And it is a distinct action that's different from just giving a talk, uh, even an authoritative talk. It is a word that means you are proclaiming what God has done for you in the personal work of Jesus. And that is what a sermon is, proclaiming what God's done for you in Jesus specifically. And that has a specific word then in the scriptures. I know we're running out of time on this segment, but uh, how then would you say that a sermon is different from a persuasive speech? Well, um, because it actually delivers the goods. It's not just trying to get you to, to turn to a particular side or anything. It actually does what it says and says what it does. And what I mean is when you say your sins are forgiven, that's different than saying, you know, uh, talking about the forgiveness of sins. When you say something that is charismatic, it does exactly what the words say. I forgive you rather than, you know, forgiveness of sins is really good. And that is the power of God's word. That is why the content of every truly Lutheran sermon needs to be God's word because it's the power of God unto salvation for all who hear it and believe. The power is in the word, not in the rhetoric, the uh, style, the persuasion of the speaker. It is a divine human act. God is the one doing the doing through the mouth, through the lips of the preacher. And whether when, you like him or not, whether he's handsome or ugly, whether he's uh, a loudspeaker or soft, whether all those things, God's the one doing the work if he's faithful. And that's how we, we evaluate true preaching is with the content, not with all these side things that are going on. Now, trust me, the side things can make a sermon more pleasant to hear and all those kind of things. There's a there's room for that discussion. But the bottom line is the content. Is Christ present? Is the word of God in and flowing through this sermon? Now, when we come back, we want to do a little bit of a quote-unquote case study with some sermons from the Scripture. And I'm going to turn that over to Pastor Moline. We're going to take a short break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline. We serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. The goal of our program, At Home in Your Hymnal, is to help you to be at home in the divine service, to help you to be at home using your hymnal as a tool, a blessing, and a guide in the corporate worship service with the church or for your individual or family devotions. We're working our way through divine service setting one. We are at the sermon, the high point of the service of the word. Some people might argue that it's the gospel reading that's the high point, but we're not going to argue that, uh, belabor that point today. In uh, this episode, episode 23, we're talking about the sermon, and we looked at some questions, you know, about what makes Lutheran preaching unique, what's the goal of Lutheran preaching, Uh, the content is paramount. The content is paramount. And uh, Pastor Moline boldly said that we can look to the Scriptures, we can look to the Bible for our guide and our example of what truly biblical, truly Lutheran preaching should be. And so, uh, Pastor, take it away. Yeah, the... The best Lutheran preacher that uh, ever lives, maybe I should say it that way, ever lives, uh, is in fact Jesus, who kind of sets the stage for what Lutheran preaching looks like. Jesus was the first Lutheran uh, and uh, taught us a lot about what it means to be a Lutheran. And then uh, if we want to... probably get some postcards and phone calls on that statement, (laughs) Pastor. Then we we also then, uh, our second... You know, uh, second or third, however you want to do it, uh, Lutheran preachers. After that would be Peter and Paul. And we have recorded sermons by them uh, in the book of Acts. And maybe today we have enough time to look at St. Peter's sermon uh, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The, The book of Acts is really great because in the book of Acts we see how the church is brought into existence uh, through the work of Christ in preaching and through baptism and through the Lord's Supper. I know when uh, lots of people read the book of Acts, they're caught up in the miracles that are done in that book, and those kind of, they catch people's eyes and people focus on that. And even some churches today try and say, look, we can do miracles too, and they hit people in the forehead and say, we've healed you from your disease. Uh, That's a bunch of... uh, uh, bunkus. Can we say bunkus on the radio? I think you can say bunkus, yes. <laughs> All right. I don't, a, I don't know what it is, but you can say it. My grandma would say bunk. Yeah, okay. That's a bunch of bunk. That's a bunch of bunk or bunkus. Uh, and what actually in the book of Acts that converts people is preaching uh, of what the Word of God actually says and the content of that preaching being Jesus Christ. We see that starting already in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Uh, that morning there had been flames of fire uh, that had rattled the whole town, came to rest on the apostles. You also have then the apostles preaching in all sorts of different languages, languages of Parthia, uh, Media, the Greek, uh, all these different these real uh, real languages that existed at the time, they're going around in the temple preaching. Uh, and what's the content of that preaching? We have that starting in Acts 2, verse 14, where Peter stood up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and addressed them. And here we have a sermon recorded for us in Scripture by St. Peter, the second or third best Lutheran preacher in the history of the world. And he says, Men of Judea, all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words. These people aren't drunk, talking in different languages, uh, but 
This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, one of the things that makes a sermon Lutheran and Christian is that it's based on God's word. And so we here have St. Peter telling us, the things I'm telling you are a fulfillment of what has been spoken before by the prophet Joel. And then he reads uh, the scripture lesson from Joel. He also has two additional scripture lessons that he reads as well from Psalm 168 and Psalm 110. And so the content of what Peter is telling people in the book of Acts chapter 2 here in this sermon is based upon what God has told them in the Old Testament in his word before. It's based on the Bible, uh, if you will. Now, uh, we have then also uh, law and gospel that we look for in Lutheran preaching. And because Peter's a good Lutheran preacher, uh, he does that. Uh, He talks about how Jesus, and this is in verse uh, 23, was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, and you crucified and killed Jesus by the hands of lawless men. That's a word of law, a word of condemnation. Uh, Because of your sin, Jesus had to die. Because of all the things that you've done wrong, uh, you even killed Jesus You might not have done it with your own hands, but you did it through the hands of lawless men. Uh, And that brings us then to Good Friday. Um, We also then have in there a discussion that uh, this is in verse 32. This Jesus raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. And uh, being therefore exalted up into the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. So we talk about there also Jesus has been raised from the dead and has ascended into heaven, uh, and uh, that's where he is. And so then we also start to get into the gospel. And As a part of the gospel, part two, when the people hear the law, they say, what shall we do? And Peter drives them not to accepting Jesus into their hearts, uh, not into doing good works or anything like that. But he says, repent. And repentance, we talked about earlier, also contains believing the words of God. And he says, repent and be baptized. What is baptism? Baptism now saves you. Baptism washes away your sin. Baptism connects you to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Or did you not know that when you were baptized, you were baptized into Jesus, St. Paul will write later. And so we have law, we have gospel, and all of it based upon God's word, and all of it drives us uh, to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Here we see how Peter is a good Lutheran preacher. Uh, that uh, That was amazing pastor and uh, obviously Martin Luther lives 1500 years after the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and so what we're talking here is not someone who is a uh, has their membership name on a Lutheran church list but we are talking about standing for the the doctrine practice theology that Martin Luther stood for. And Luther said all along he didn't want anybody to call themselves Lutheran uh, as if they were following the man. They're to follow Christ. And so we are making the bold claim here today that Lutherans are following in the train of Jesus, the apostles, the early Christians. That's why we begin our Lutheran confessions, not with the Catechism or the Augsburg Confession, but with the ecumenical creeds, and so um, uh, it's not it's not a statement meant to uh, tick people off or be provocative or anything like that. We really believe it. 
We really believe it. And uh, your uh, your masterful masterful job of picking apart Acts two, talking about what makes distinctive Lutheran preaching, preaching that you just don't hear much today, preaching that flows from the Word of God. Peter quotes the uh, the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. He points people to the historical details of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He doesn't do it as a history lesson, but he does it in the context of law and gospel, law against me, the gospel for me. It is actually doing what it says it is doing. And then he doesn't leave people wondering, how do I get this? He tells people the location where Jesus has promised to locate himself today and in this particular sermon, the waters of holy baptism, where God delivers the deliverance. Well, and in this particular sermon, he talks about baptism, but also immediately after that, it talks about the fellowship of the believers. And what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what's the apostles' teaching? It's the same thing we just heard. The it's word all about of God. Jesus. Yes. To the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And so we also have uh, communion there. And so we see in the book of Acts, there's all sorts of miracles, sure, and they get people's attention. But if you look at each miracle, after the miracles, people are saying, what does this mean? What's this all about? In one case, they even start worshiping, uh, I think, Paul and is it Barnabas as uh, uh, Greek and Roman gods? Yeah, Hermes and Zeus. Um, and um, it's not until the word is given in a sermon about Jesus with law and gospel that people start to actually believe, and that's then what the preaching task is, to give Jesus, based on the scriptures, with law and gospel for you. And we can go through, there's at least 19 sermons that I can think of in the book of Acts, and you can go to all of them, and they might not be as complete as we have here in Acts 2, but they all do that very same task, because the apostles in the book of Acts were all Lutheran preachers, just like you and me. We would probably be remiss if we did not at least spend a minute or two talking about sermon length. A lot of times when people come into church, the most thing the thing that they are concerned about the most is how long is it going to take when the uh, preacher ascends up into the pulpit. Some people set the timer on their watch or their phone, and some of it is in good fun. Some of it is good-natured. Some of it is not. And some people, if uh, the sermon's more than seven minutes or more than 17 minutes or more than 27 minutes, they let the preacher hear about it. In the time that we have left, Pastor, why is the content of the sermon a million times more important than the length? Well... Uh, the content is important because it's that message of Jesus based on God's word that actually does the work of the sermon. And you can do that in a really short sermon sometimes, like Jesus, repent and believe the gospel, or repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you can also do it in a longer sermon like uh, Peter did here in Acts chapter 2, or even uh, we see Paul later on in the ministry. Uh, he spends entire days out in the, the public forums of these ancient Christ, or ancient cities, uh, preaching and teaching Christ 
Um, and so he preached all night and the uh, individual fell, fell out, out of the, of the window, window. you yeah. know, so you want to talk about a long sermon. Okay, go ahead. So you have the freedom then to do long or short, so long as the topic is and the content is Jesus for you. And so what I would encourage preachers to do is to know your people well enough to give them the word in a way that they can understand it, hear it, and believe it, and stay focused on it. Um, and hearers then work on focusing on what the word is saying and listening to it. Um, when people complain about the length, the, the sin is not necessarily the preachers. Uh, it's either, rather showing them that um, they need to repent of their um, despising of God's word also. The uh, words of Luther and the explanation of the third commandment, I think, are appropriate right here. And I pray that God would bless all of us with this uh, spirit. Uh, we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. That is our prayer for us, and we pray that the preaching that you hear would be Christ-filled, would point you to the death and resurrection of Jesus for you, and most of all, would deliver the goods, forgiveness, life, and salvation earned by Jesus for you. God's richest blessings in Christ. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll be back again next time. God's blessings. <laughs>